This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. The recent earnings call for Netflix has sounded some alarms. The streaming giant losing 200,000 subscribers in the first quarter of the year, but the projections for the second quarter could be even worse. And it has sparked Netflix in part want to do different types of tiers, ad-supported tiers, which it has not done up to this point. So what kind of impact will all of that have? And what's the state of Netflix right now? Welcoming in our friend Americus Reed, marketing professor here at the Wharton School and also host of Marketing Matters every Wednesday at 5 p.m. And from what I understand, he joins us from Boston today. Americus, you're up north? I am. Hey, Dan, it's great to be with you, man. <laughs> what are you doing up north right now? Doing some teaching up there? Doing a little bit of research. I'm currently uh, visiting Harvard Business School, so um, meeting some people and uh, working on some new projects, et cetera, et cetera. So great to All be right. with you. Well, great to have you with us. So as the, the earnings numbers come out and the recognition that they had lost 200,000 subscribers in the quarter, just your thoughts on where Netflix is and this idea that they are going to finally come around to doing ad-supported tiers? Well, it's a great question, Dan. I'm a little bit sad about it because I hate advertising, but uh, <laughs> I got to say, you know, for Netflix, it's probably the right move. I mean, clearly they recognize that 200,000 lost subscribers is a big deal, and that sort of coupled with the idea that at least estimates are saying there's probably another 100 million or so out there that are sharing passwords, which obviously yeah. means that those revenues aren't being captured as well. So something's got to be done, and I think there is a recognition that there are a lot of different, more heated competition that's coming out with Hulu and Disney Plus and HBO Max and these other sorts of competitors. And so... It's probably just the logical next step in terms of Netflix being able to recoup some of that revenue. I mean, I think people were pretty shocked on April 19th when the stock price dropped 25% uh, and hasn't really recovered yet. But we'll see what happens there. But I think it's the right move. I think at this point, you got to open up some different opportunities for different segments, Dan, so that you know there probably is a group out there who would probably have a lower willingness to pay. But that can be adjusted for with the extent to which that they are willing to sit through ads or be approached by advertisement. So that's probably a segment that you can capture. So it probably makes a lot of sense, even though I'm you know, not so happy because I myself love sort of the uninterrupted experience. So the other question, I guess, out there is the impact of churn, of people being on a streaming service for a few months, maybe watching their favorite show. Then the show is done for the season. They dump the service for a few months. They might come back later. How much of a concern is churn in and around these streaming services right now? I love that question, Dan. I think churn is huge. But I think if you look behind the concept of churn, it's really a potential indictment on the quality of the ability to assess content. And so, you know, this is I love this in the sense that this is the marketplace, the marketplace of ideas and the best content is going to win out. The best content is going to drive consumers to be more probabilistically likely to want to subscribe. And I think it's probably built into the analysis that, hey, we'll lose some people as a function of, you know, not choosing the right content for the right segments at the right time, in addition to the, the heated competition that's going on with other uh, sources of streaming. But I think that's just part of the game. And the idea that they probably have built into the analysis some understanding of acceptable churn and again, it's really just a test, of, a pressure test of your ability to create quality content. So in that context, you're, you're held now to a much more precise and robust standard of choosing the right type of quality to of quality content to differentiate yourself from other competitors. So then for Netflix, I mean, Netflix has obviously spent a lot of money on content. 
I guess yes. they have to kind of rethink their mindset on the types of content they're spending on in the future. I think so, and I think that's part of the segmentation, targeting, positioning, messaging approach, Dan, that we talk about a lot in marketing. And yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tight. It's going to be cutthroat. Anytime the uh, Duchess of Sussex gets canceled in this uh, <laughs> in this uh, you know you know fight for cost control, you know it's serious. And so this is going to require a very precise and diligent understanding at this point in the product life cycle for Netflix to be able to say like, listen, we're not the only option out there. And so we've got to get better at choosing the right type of content to attract the right types of segments that we're interested in going after. Should Netflix have have gone this route uh, with the ad-supported tiers? Should they have done this sooner with how the landscape has kind of played out? Well, I love that question, Dan. I think it's, you know, I hate to be like the Monday morning quarterback because it's obvious (laughs) right now, right? The answer looks like with hindsight bias 2020. But it probably was potentially on the radar. And I think that, you know, this whole idea with what happened with respect to the understanding of losing all of these subscribers and like we're looking at two to four million dollars of revenue loss per month. And that's a big deal. So it probably was a wake up call. Uh, But I wouldn't be surprised if they were already thinking about some alternative, you know, what is V2? What is the, the, the next move in this chess game actually look like? And there are consumers who will be upset about, you know, having to deal with ads. But then again, that's the whole point of the marketplace to say, listen, if you don't want ads, then you got to pay a little bit more. If you are okay with ads and you are a little bit less price sensitive or more price sensitive, I guess I should say, then you're happy with advertisement. And one of the things that we always think about, Dan, is to say that why not make the ads really good and like everyone wins. (laughs) So we'll, we'll see if they're able to do that. I guess with kind of the, all of the different services that are out there right now and, and the competition that that is going on between them, that this is really kind of a pivot moment for Netflix, isn't it? It's a huge pivot moment, but this is exactly what you would predict, Dan, in terms of the product life cycle, right? When, when you're the only game in town, you have all kinds of degrees of freedom to do pretty much whatever you want to do. But as soon as competition, I mean, we all know that every, there's only 24 hours in a day. So even though you're a venerable institution and you kind of created the entire concept of binge watching, it doesn't mean it's going to last forever. So you have to be prepared as a company to say, listen, we've got these other competitors that are nipping at our heels, doing very well, et cetera, et cetera, and competing for consumers' time and effort and energy in terms of their leisure activities. Uh, and so we got to be prepared to to basically play this game long term. And so this is just, I think, a logical next step. I think some of the other streaming services already do have ads, so it's not like it's going to be perceived as some egregious kind of thing. And like I said, you know, com- right. consumers have choice. So if you want to pay a little bit more and have no ads, you can do that. And if you don't, you know, you can deal with the ads and see what happens. So hopefully they'll be able to to make a bit of a bounce back from all of this. Right, yeah. That question around the consumer accepting different levels, I think, is an interesting one in that you're getting the same content, yep. but in kind of the economy we're in right now, I think you might see people, some people saying, you know what, I'd rather have the lower price and I can deal with the ads. It's not a big thing for me. I think so. I mean, I think it's like you said, Dan, it's just different segments. There's a segment that says, leave me alone. I want to enjoy my content. There's another segment that says, you know what? I I can deal with, I can tolerate ads because the return on investment in terms of lowering this price of this subscription 
is going to be worth it for me. So I think there are two different groups of consumers out there, and both of them can benefit from, obviously, the service. But I think, you know, again, at some point, it's going to be like how many of the – you have to ask the question, Dan, how many of these subscription services is is a consumer going to take on? Like what is the steady-state equilibrium that says, hey, listen, I'm only going to take on about four or five of these different ones. And then where is Netflix able to sort of make sure that it's in that consideration set and chosen – as a function of having the multitude of options that it can provide for consumers and yet have flexibility in its business model in terms of how it generates revenue. You mentioned uh, earlier about the sharing of account information, which Netflix knows is an issue, and I I think there's a a push to try and develop technology that uh, may be able to eliminate that. But Mm -hmm. at least for right now, that's kind of their cost of doing business. And I think it's the case for a lot of different platforms across uh, the landscape is the fact that there is a level of sharing that goes on, whether it be Netflix, whether it be uh, Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. that sharing is going to go on. It's a, <laughs> I love that point, man, because it's like, listen, you're not going to change consumer behavior. So I think it would be a huge mistake, Dan, to come out and start trying to become sort of the password uh, account sharing Gestapo and stop this and be like the super enforcement police about this stuff. It's not going to work because people will figure out how to sidestep the system. So I think you're 100 percent correct, Dan. This is the cost of doing business. And you got to be more flexible. And I think if you add into your brand this idea that we are watching you and trying to stop you from doing what you would normally do as a consumer, that you're actually hurting the brand a little bit. Or at least yeah. at least my view would be that you are compromising the experience a little bit. And so you probably don't want to do that. You want to say, hey, listen, people will share. How do we work around that? How do we build that into our analysis and our strategy moving forward to create these other potential revenue uh, streams that don't necessarily have to deal with trying to stop people? Because I think you can waste a lot of energy trying to stop people from doing what they're going to do anyway. And you can have a moral view on this, whether or not it's right or wrong to share passwords, et cetera, but that's sort of not the point. Yeah. The point is people are going to do it, so how do we work around that and still be a successful company? You don't want to have the big brother is watching you philosophy, right? That's 100% correct. I think we're all sort of in that mode where we want our leisure time, Dan, to be – we want it to be fun. We want, to, we want to have a good time. We want to be able to enjoy that content, and we don't want to feel like we're being policed. That's a fundamental human psychological aspect. Like, do not mess with my freedom because if you do, you, that might have some pretty long-term negative consequences for the brand. And, and when you've given something to the consumer for a long period of time, like yes. content without having to deal with advertisers – Yes, it, it is something that is expected by the consumer, and for the most part, it's not going to it's not going to be received well. It isn't going to be received well, and like for me, I'm in that segment, Dan, where I don't I don't want commercials. I'm sorry, I will pay you what you need. Do not give me commercials. But to your point, Dan, there is a segment that's out there that says, "Hey, I can't quite afford this." You know yeah. what? I, I'll take this lower price. That's a different segment. That's a different consumer. And they're saying, listen, I'm managing all these subscriptions. Give me, give me this lower price. Let me, look, let me deal with these ads, and I'm perfectly okay with that. And that new group of people, perhaps you can bring them in and grow your subscription base over time. You did say you hate advertising, right? I did hear <laughs> that correctly, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I hate bad advertising. I'm absolutely okay. happy, Dan, okay. to, to hear okay. something that I really need. But, but yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> it's it's tough when you, you know, pivot right in the middle of the thing to suddenly, for me at least, say, hey, listen, you know, now we're going to have ads and we're going to interrupt that experience that we're trying to create this happiness, this joy. I'm just not liking that very much. 
How's the chowder up in Boston these days, by the way? <laughs> oh, it's awesome, brother. I mean, I love it out here. It's uh, I'm having a lot of a, a lot of fun out here. And I just want to say a shout out to Wharton Biz Daily because, uh, as always, sir, you're always bringing the facts, the analysis. None of this politicized BS. Just just a data and important stuff that we all need to hear and listen to every day to catch the news. So I really appreciate what you do. Uh, you throw me that bone, but I was going to have you bring back some chowder from Boston when you come back <laughs> at some point. I, I can't I, do that now. Hey, great I will to talk to you, Americas. It's great to talk to you as well, Dan. I appreciate your time. You got it, as always. Thanks very much. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.